This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Little Pine Trees Awakening, a story I wish my parents had read to me. And my author who joins me from the great state of Utah in the United States, Angelina Ellett. Welcome, Angelina. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to visit with you. This is a charming-looking book. I, uh, I'm guessing from the subtitle, it looks as though your parents didn't read to you very much. Is there any hidden message in that subtitle, a story I wish my parents had read to me? Well, it's not so much what my parents did or didn't do for me, but rather what I want to do for my own children. I'm a mother of eight, and there's some certain topics that I just really want my children to understand and learn while they're young. That's and incredible. I feel like I I could do that through some of these stories. So it's more for my children than what my parents are did or didn't do for me. Well, with eight eight kids, you already have a runaway bestseller if you sell one to each of them, almost. I mean, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How long have you desired to be an author and actually put things into print? Some parents, you know, tell their kids stories and, and never get to the point of actually putting it into writing. Well, you know what? I'm not one of those authors that have dreamed of it my whole entire life. I basically had an idea come to me last year, and I sat down at the computer and just started writing, and it just flowed, and I loved it, and that's where I decided, hey, I think I want to do a series. If nobody else bought my books and my children alone read my stories, I would be successful. Well, that's that's a wonderful motivation on its own. The title, Little Pine Trees Awakening, I'm presuming from that and looking at the wonderful artwork inside the, the covers, that Little Pine Tree is your main character. Yes. And how did that character come about? Just inspiration? Yeah, actually. I, I, I had this idea of a little pine tree who was curious. Maybe it is a representation of some of my children, but... Uh, Somebody who was a pine tree that was very curious and determined, and he recognized that other older pine trees had all these beautiful ornaments on them, and he wanted to find out how to grow his own ornaments, and so that's how the story begins. He's on this search to discover how he can grow his own ornaments. Your book, so. your book is 26 pages or so in, in length, and many of the children's books in that, uh, that size range are mostly scarce mostly illustrations. You have a great deal of dialogue in your book as well for a book of that size. Uh, is there a specific goal that you had in mind, um, a moral to the story that you are trying to get across to the reader? Well, I can't really say that it's a children's book. I think it's geared more for children of age eight and older. It's mm. an, an adult story as much as it is a children's story. But the goal of writing the book and how I have it written was to create a story with dialogue that you could actually have a discussion with your children after the book is finished. And so I have some questions following the book that you can really have some great discussions with your children about certain topics that I felt were important. And they're open to interpretation 
across the globe. I mean, I didn't specifically say this is what I wanted you to get from the story. Right. I wanted it to be open for parents to discuss and give their point of view with their children. One of the uh, questions that you uh, you suggest or one of the discussion topics is uh, this t- this phrase, why did little pine trees' words expressed to the skimpy tree have a negative effect? Uh, what is that referring to as far as uh, cultural, culturally? Well, it had a negative effect. What happened in the story was a little pine tree learned from grand pine tree that in order to grow an ornament, you need to help somebody learn a new perspective or help somebody with a service, something to enlighten both of you. And so here he had Skimpy Pine Tree walk past, who was a pine tree with shabby, um, with a shabby scarf around her trunk, and her pine needles were falling off. And he basically said to her, hey, you would do a lot better if you wore a big, thick red scarf to keep you warm instead of that, you know, old, torn blue scarf. And she kind of bowed her head and said, thank you, and walked away. And there he sat there waiting for his ornament to grow, and it never did grow. Hmm. So he had to run back to a grand pine tree who helped him through a conversation realize that he was offering his opinion instead of actual wisdom. Hmm. And so there's, a, there's an opportunity right there to discuss the difference between one's opinion versus actual fact. Actions speak louder than conversation. Uh, yes, often. <laughs> I was going to use than words, but that's kind of cliche, so I don't like cliches. <laughs> I, I hate them with a passion. Oh, no. Anyway, Angelina, the, the, the story itself, you say it came to you in an inspirational manner. How long did it take to get the main story completed and get it fleshed out? Well, the first inspiration I had, I was having a conversation with a friend, and they were going through a major life transition, and they just felt stuck in their life. And this uh, metaphor of being stuck in the mud came to my mind, and I helped explain to them, look, you're going to stay stuck in your life until you can decide to make a choice to go one way or another. And from there, I say it was about a week later, this idea of the pine tree story came into my mind. And once I sat down to the computer, I had it written within 24 hours. Wow. It like just flooded to my mind. And so after that, I just had to make some minor changes and find an artist for the illustrations. But the story itself, I almost feel like it wasn't my story. Like it was downloaded into my head. And (laughs) I've never had that experience growing up. In high school, I had to like fight to come up with a story for English class. This just came to me, so it was so fun. The illustrations, as I've mentioned, are quite nicely done. Was there any complication or challenge you had to overcome to get those to match the storyline and really flesh out the total look of the book? Oh, absolutely. I used a 16-year-old girl whose name is Josie Sagers, and um, I hadn't met her before. I was friends with her father, and he recommended her, and we lived about 200 miles away Hmm. from each other. So we only met a couple of times in person, and the rest was, you know, through emails. And her vision of the story was a little bit different than mine, but once I saw her characters, I fell in love with them. I think they're so darling, and I think she did such an excellent job. And once we got the story put together, I actually did have the book published. And when it came back to me and I I saw the book live, there was definitely some changes that we needed to make to make the illustrations fit the text a little bit better. But once we got those 
squared away. I, I'm really satisfied with the final product, and I know she is too. Oh, she did a fabulous job. I, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that it was a, a young teen, as, at least from my perspective. I'm old, so every, everybody under 30 is young. Uh, but, <laughs> but a 16-year-old artist or illustrator has done your book, and a fabulous job. It really conveys the message, I think. It does, and, and I know that she's looking forward to a career in that sort of a thing, and I'm hoping that this will help her as much as it will help me give her some publicity. So, Well, exceptional. Have you had any opportunity to share this with a broader audience, uh, like a school group or a, a larger group or maybe some other parents? And uh, if so, what has been the response so far? Um, actually, the only ones that I've sent it out to, which it was actually kind of scary for me, was my book club. Hmm. Um, there, you know, they tear apart books and... I actually had a really good response from them. The very first comment that came out of one of their mouths was, that was very creative. And for me, that made me feel really good. But um, they liked having the discussion questions at the end. They they liked that it's a short story. You could read it 20 to 30 minutes. So you really could have a family night and have some great discussions. Do you think that is the one thing about your book that maybe sets it apart from other books that are, are targeted towards the 12-year-old uh, audience? I think so. I do think so. It's a great learning opportunity, and I wanted to use it as a tool for my kids and other children. It has some great messages just about uh, being responsible, responsible for your own happiness, learning to um, give service or help others so that you both grow and you're both edified. I, I think sometimes we overlook that nowadays, and it's this is a good tool to help reinforce that. Because it's about a, a Christmas or a pine tree, is this a seasonal book, do you think, or is this one that will have legs all year long? I've had people ask me that question, and the truth is it would make a fantastic Christmas story. It really would. But it's not a seasonal story. It's a story that has universal truth. So it can be read throughout the year and really for all ages. One thing I'm noticing about the illustrations, very few snow scenes, so I, I'm guessing from that it could be at least fall and spring uh, because of the uh, the style of the uh, the illustrations. In retrospect, is there anything about the story that you think, maybe I could have tweaked that a little bit better or might have changed? I really do like the story. If anything, I would have liked to expand a little bit on some of the concepts, but then again, I want to leave it open for parents to put their own opinion and put their own spin on how they want to present and talk about some of these topics with their children. Good thought. So it's kind of yes and no to that question. Angelina, since this book is now in the marketplace, uh, what are your goals for the future? Do you have something else in the works? Yes, absolutely. I've actually written my second book, which is called um, Bugsy Bop's Double Vision. And in this book, I have two main characters, again, which is a butterfly and a, a bunny rabbit. And this book deals more with emotions and learning how to stop the flow of emotions, especially negative emotions, before hmm. they get out of control. And I think it will be a great sequel to this book. It sounds exciting. Yeah, it sounds like a book I yeah, need to read. Yeah, it's fun. I think I need to I read that book. Com- I think it will complement it very well. <laughs> this one is titled Little Pine Trees Awakening, a story I wish my parents had read to me. My guest has been Angelina Ellett. Uh, Angelina, there are many of my listeners who may want to get a copy of this. How do they do so? 
Well, they can go to the website, which is www.littlepinetreesawakening.com and order one from there. Uh, there's no apostrophes in that. It's just straight letters, www.littlepinetreesawakening.com, and they can order from there. Excellent. This is a, a great start. I uh, wish you well in your future, and thank you for sharing the background story into this particular uh, aspect or this particular project, Little Pine Trees Awakening, and uh, best of luck with it. And also, I uh, hope to hear from you in the future about the, the next release when it comes out, and uh, hopefully we've uh, talked to the next Dr. Seuss, or maybe uh, <laughs> awesome. uh, thank Ma- you. Mama Seuss. <laughs> for, uh, for Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Adult Conversations. Oh boy. This could be interesting. The title is uh, one that may be misleading. Our author joins me from St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands. It's Robert D. Collins, Sr. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much, Jay. I appreciate you uh, letting me be on your program. This is an interesting title, Adult Conversations. That could go in a whole lot of different directions. You have uh, penned about 116 pages. What was the, the, uh, the concept behind Adult Conversations, Robert? Actually, the title itself is a play on words. Um, once you read the book, you will understand what adult conversation is about, but the concept comes from a book that I read 30 years ago called What Do You Say After You Say Hello? It's a book by Dr. Eric Burney, and he's the one who developed the concept of um, adult conversations. Um, and the con- the content of your book, you have basically are they're 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 short little uh, uh, life excerpts, perhaps conversations that someone could have in life. Uh, they're easy to read. They probably are less than a, a page or about a page each. You have fifty three of them at least in the book. You have things uh, titled things like passing it on, writing to work. Uh, you have uh, things about haircuts and hair pieces and so on and so forth. Which of these stories or these ideas do you think uh, is going to be of interest to the reader? Well, I believe all of them will be of interest because they uh, have their, each of them um, are unique, but they all point back to the concept of this book. And I use 
when I decided to write this book, I did not want a boring how-to book. So what I did, I used the concept that I got from the book, which is parent, adult, and child. In his, in his book, he explains how everybody has these ego states. And you have to be in one of these ego states at one time. And he went on further to explain, uh, called it transactional analysis. And basically what that means is every time you talk to somebody, you have a transaction. And that analysis is just a way of analyzing how that transaction took place. Um, can I give you a quick um background on how this works. Yes, please do. Okay. Um, everybody has the three ego states. And for example, the parent is the ego states that gives commands, directives, instructions, and so forth. For example, it, the parent may say, do this or don't do that. Get up or go to bed. I told you so. Why don't you listen? Be careful. Don't you want to um, listen? Stop. Keep moving. And these are all examples of the parent. And people that may have a strong parent is like police officers, mm-hmm. school teachers, um, nurses, um, bosses. All these people have strong parents because they have to say something and expect you to respond. Um, officers, uh, naval officers commanders, all these people have strong parents. Also, a child. A child is your emotions. Basically, that consists of your feelings, laughing, crying, passion, sentiments, excitement, reaction. These all make up the child. And the child, and these parents, the parent and child are developed from the time you're young. They're like recordings. Mm. But the adult the adult is what we develop on our own, and mostly we develop that through reading, but you can also develop it through experience. Um, someone may speak something into your spirit, and then you retain it. So that's where the adult comes from. And everyone has a strong parent and child, but everybody does not develop the adult. Um, so that's why... I decided to write this book. Now, would you describe the adult thinking uh, or uh, situation as one that is uh, rational in its in its approach rather than emotional? Exactly. The, the adult is, is the one that analyzes. He's a problem solver. He's a rational thinker. You know, he listens with an open mind. That is all part of the adult. And... Um, eventually you want to get to that point instead of reacting emotionally or just giving like directives, you know, parent, you know, do this or do that without really thinking it through. Do you think that the emotion should be eliminated in a person's uh, conversation style or is it still something that should be a part of the whole makeup of the real person? Oh, it has to be a part of the whole person. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a child or a parent. You know, they're very necessary in certain situations, and there's nothing wrong with it. For example, a comedian, his goal is to hook the child and his audience and make them laugh. You know, that's his whole lifeblood depends on that. So, no, there's nothing wrong with having the three, these equal states because we all have them. The point being, 
to know which one you're in and why. Because sometimes you might have a breakdown in communication and you don't know why, but if you have this tool at your disposal, you'll be able to analyze what, what happened in the conversation. Uh, one type or one area of conversation that's difficult for most people to navigate is uh, a spouse or or uh, husband-wife scenario. Do you have any of those listed in your book? And if you do, share one of those maybe incidences that might relate to our listeners. Uh, a very simple um, one is this. Uh, a husband may be getting ready to go out, and he says to his wife, um, I can't find my keys. Mm-hmm. Do you know where my keys are? And the wife could respond to her parent and say, if you put them where they belong, you want to have lost them. Of course, that's not what he wanted to hear. Or she could have responded in her child and say, no, I don't know where your keys are, so don't blame me if they're missing, you know? Right. You, uh, but, go ahead. No, go ahead. That, that, that's, that's certainly so, uh, something I can respond in her adult and say, no, sweetheart, I don't know where your keys are, but I'd be glad to help you look for them. And that's what he was looking for. Right. I like the I like that 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 response you just uh, recounted because I've been in many of those conversations myself. I have a tendency to lose my keys, so uh, I probably respond to the child uh, as a child would when we get into those scenarios. Uh, what is the the easy way to begin to learn how to communicate properly, or is there one? Uh, yeah, yes, there is one. You know, um, I would like to say this though. Um, I have another example I would like to give. You sure. Know, when um, I was watching the TV program, and my daughter snatched the remote out of my hand, and she went running away from me. Now, this is a show I really wanted to see the end, so I was chasing her. And meanwhile, I was my child was being hooked because I was getting angry, I was getting mad. And if I had caught her, I would have gave her a good spanking. But... I decided to sit down and cool up. When I did that, she realized that the chase was over and she came back and gave me the remote. I said, look, um, Annette, not today, but tomorrow we're going to talk about what happened. So the next day I went and I explained to her the parent, adult, and child eagles and how she was in her child when she snatched the remote, thinking it was a game, and she would not. I could not hook her adult because she didn't know about their concept. After I explained this concept to her, it's been working marvelously between us. And she's the one who actually gave me the title to my book, Adult Conversations. Wonderful. And your daughter is uh, still a, is she not a teenager yet, or is she a teenager? Oh, no, she's grown now. She's grown. (laughs) She's in the last year of law school. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she, she still uses the concept. Up to recently, I was getting heated about something. She says to me, Dad, is that your child? So she <laughs> uses it on me now. now. She's probably going to use it in the courtroom, it sounds like. She has learned yes. learn well. Uh, yeah, I hope so. And Robert, how long did it take you to complete the scenarios that you have uh, penned in your book? Uh, that's a good question, Jay, because I've been procrastinating about this book for years. Mm. Um, I, I remember people walking up to me, a good friend of mine, said, look, I um, said something to my wife, and she's mad at me, and I don't know why. And, but worst of all, she, he didn't know what to do about it. 
I knew in my spirit what was going on, but I didn't know how to explain it to him. Uh-huh. So I've been procrastinating for years. I said, I got to write this. Because if you tell people about it, sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. So finally I saw a commercial on TV with Arthur House Publishing, and I called them, and they told me, okay, this is going to cost you $1,800, and you have to make three payments. Um, so I said, okay. If I'm going to pay for this, I'm going to start writing. Yeah. So every morning after I made that contract, I got up and I forced myself to write a story. And then, of course, later I would go back and check it. But every morning before I went to work, I would write a story. And it took me about six to eight months once I stopped procrastinating and put my mind to it. And who is your audience? Who do you think is going to find this beneficial? I'm assuming mostly adults, but uh, do you think this might spill over into other family members as well? Oh, yes. You know, I think the biggest audience will be uh, husband and wives. But, of course, it, it goes to husband, I mean, parents and children, because a lot of parents don't know how to talk to their children. They want to tell them what to do and expect the child to respond accordingly but sometimes you have to hook the adult in that child mm-hmm. and they are we all have them you know it doesn't matter what age you are you can hook the adult in any person if you know what to look for and how to do it i guess one way to describe your book would be thought-provoking essays uh, in the short version that will get people thinking about the more effective way to communicate exactly because you're not going to learn this overnight but hopefully, if you use my book as like a reference and you see stories in there that you actually been in, situations that you actually been in, you can see how I resolved them, hopefully you'll learn the technique because now to me it's second, it's second nature. You have, and, um, uh, you have 53, 53 essays or short stories or short uh, vignettes that you have penned. Uh, are you expecting to maybe do a follow-up book, Robert? Uh, yes, it has crossed my mind because I have a lot more stories, and you know, uh, and most of these stories are from experiences, and I could see as I sit back and look back at them how I did not handle those experiences um, properly. So yes, I am thinking about a follow-up book in the future, and I just hope though um, this this book helps people. Uh, to communicate better with, with um, in their lives. Wonderful. Robert, thank you for joining me and sharing your story. The uh, title of the book, again, is Adult Conversations. My author, Robert D. Collins, Sr., has joined me from St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Uh, someone has to live there. Sorry, it had to be you. Uh, now, Robert, where do, my, where, do my get, where do my listeners get a copy of your, of your book? You can get it online. Um, three major books on Amazon. Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, and Arthur House Publishing. Fabulous. And they also can request this from their local bookseller if they choose. Uh, this is a, a book that's an easy read. You can read a little bit at a time and use it as a reference book if you choose. Robert, have any of your uh, readers left comments for you on any of the sites? Yes, they have. If um, you have an opportunity, go to Amazon.com and look at the reviews that the readers that have read my book left. I have um, five-star reviews on 
on, on those reviews. Fabulous. Again, the title, Adult Conversations. Robert D. Collins has been my guest. Thank you, sir, for being a part of today's show. Thank you, Jay, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Black Witch, and the author, Steve Scott. And Steve joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Steve. Hi, how are you doing? Well, it's great to have you with us. I know this is a very, very emotional, painful time even though the death of your daughter was back in 1997, and now the publishing of this book. Uh, I don't know if this is just important for the whole cycle, is it? The whole mourning cycle, do you think? Well, no, the publishing of the book was actually kind of a mistake. You know, I wrote this book 15 years ago, and uh, when it was uh, very, uh, you know, like an open wound still, and the things that were in it um, were kind of like, I spent a lot of time on the road with my job, and I was living in hotel rooms, and I was trying to keep my life together from falling apart uh, just because there was a lot of bad things going on. So I wrote the book, and uh, it kept me um, all my free time used up in a positive way, and it got me to read a lot about religion and, and philosophy that I'd never done before. So it opened my mind up in a different way to viewing life and death. And uh, when I was done, I thought I'd laid the whole thing to rest. So that book just laid on the shelf until I decided to, I needed to publish a book. And I was working with Author House, and I was using another book. And right in the middle of the process, I changed it because of uh, the the word count was, uh, my other book was too high, and it was going to sell for too much. I thought, but that was just an error. So I, tr- I changed it because this other book was already there and ready to go. So that's how it came to be published. I wouldn't have otherwise done it. Natasha, your daughter, 15 years of age when this happened. And the title, title, very provocative title, Black Witch. Well, Black Witch, um, my wife at the time, who was now deceased, she wasn't the mother of my daughter, but uh, she was my wife for 20 years. She had suffered a similar uh, thing with a, one of her children, and uh, I, that's kind of when I'm, or we came together 
And so I went through that whole process, and during that process of her grieving for her son, um, we just came to start calling the depression and and those feelings you go through, you know, that there was another presence uh, in the house, and that was the Black Witch. And so anytime we started talking about it, we'd you know we'd use that uh, analogy or word or whatever to to convey the feeling without having to go through the details of the death, you know, this just that's over, and now we're dealing with this black witch. So take us back. Talk, talk to us about Natasha. Uh, just, you know, she obviously uh, was a daddy's girl, probably. Well, that is the other, you know, see, the part of the process of this was the, the guilt and stuff that I had, because uh, I, if you read the book, you'll find that um, she left my life when she was about, oh, we divorced. Her and, her and my mother divorced. They returned to Washington. So the last five, six years of her life, it was, you know, phone calls, and it was uh, uh, summer visits, and it was things like that. And I really didn't invest the time I needed to to, to uh, be the figure I should have because I always figured I had my whole life, and when she came of age, we could spend a lot more time together. And then when she was removed from it, I realized how much I'd lost, and I hadn't really taken advantage of the time or invested enough time in it because I thought that was always tomorrow. So that was part of the the whole guilt thing. So how are you dealing with that today? Well, like I said, when I thought I'd laid it to rest 15 years ago, you know, we uh, and her mother were back together now. Uh, we go visit her grave. We talk about her a lot. You know, when her birthday comes around, we, you know, we, uh, it's, I don't know, that's just a difficult question. I don't, I don't really deal with it. I, um, I just miss her immensely and, and wish things could have been different. Right. Right. Well, what's the whole story? What happened? Well, um, her her mother, uh, me and her mother had been separated for, I don't know, seven or eight, nine years, and uh, I was working in Alaska. I, w- I was working at a company that was of my own, uh, my own company that was starting to fail, and uh, I received a phone call out of the blue one day. And if you've ever received a phone call like that, you you can't begin to imagine what an impact has on you. So. Uh, when I received this phone call from this person I didn't know and then said that you needed you need to talk to your wife and so it was handed over to my wife and she was completely um, incomprehensible uh, and finally she just stammered out the word that she's dead and literally um, I lost about I don't know 10 seconds of time and when I uh, came to, I was halfway across the room with a phone in my hand and a chair up against the wall, and I was, my world changed in that instant, and uh, then it was a matter of starting to at first realize that uh, what you are going through is not uh, even the, it's the tip of the iceberg of what's to come, and then having to deal with it in the situation of being on the road and away from loved ones, and then, um, come to the realization that it's never going to change and it's something that's going to follow you around like a black witch for the rest of your life and you got to try to find some value in it you know and you can resort not necessarily resort you can look for a, a, a salve or a pulse something to, to, that can make you feel whole again 
And so I went down the road of uh, Christianity and and philosophy, trying to figure out how I could, you know, keep my life together without turning into an alcoholic or or worse. Was it an accident? She was turning 15. She was a normal little American girl. She snuck out a window at night and got into a car with three of her friends and went on a joyride, no alcohol, no drugs, just being a 15-year-old kid in America, and she was the only one that died. Mm, my goodness. My goodness. Well, um, I know I can't even begin to understand in many ways because it's so personal. I, like I just shared with you before, we have a son that uh, was killed in a car accident uh, when he was 20. So uh, we both understand pain. I know there are those around you, like around, been around me, they wondered uh, how in the world do you get through this, you know. They, they didn't think they could. Well, um, see, I was kind of the opposite. I was Iron Man. You know, I had done everything and experienced all these things, so it was just a matter of um, making some sort of logical sense out of it, and it would heal of its own, you know, volition. Um, so that's why I started down that road, you know, and uh, it took me a long time to understand that, no, this is not going away, and you have to deal with this, and... There'll be days you wake up, and, you know, I woke up many times in a hotel room after having a devastating dream, knowing that I had to get up and function in the world again when the all I wanted to do was, you know, go get a drink and run away, you know. Uh, so confronting life, and really the only reason I was doing that is because I had responsibilities, and I had a wife, and I had stepkids, and I had my other son, you know, and I had to be some sort of, you know, give them some sort of uh, a picture that, you know, you can get through this, and you can deal with this, and that was probably the only thing that kept me going. You mentioned that you spent some time trying to learn more about Christianity, philosophy. What has come out of that? Has that helped you? Well, if you read the book, you'll find that my take on some philosophers uh, turned out, I, I, I feel that they are um, uh, of a completely different mind than I am. Uh, but there are some, you know, Spinoza is one that that is that really um, helped me actually choose my path of uh, pursuing religion. And he actually, you know, if you find a kindred soul, you know, from 400 years ago, and you can read words that mean something to you, and you they can impart something in you that makes sense when, you know, uh, Christianity, I choose to say that I'm a spiritual person instead of a Christian, because I don't um, um, completely... You know, I don't know that I completely give myself away to another person. That's what's demanded of Christianity. So that's the the crux that I had. Uh, but the but the Christian faith is is about as close as I can come to um, uh, having hope for you know my soul and the world. Uh, philosophy is more of an intellectual dissection of um, um, life, and so that attracted me in the beginning, but. Um, I feel I'm a spiritual person that leans a lot towards Christianity, and I hope that I can get there before I die. Publishing this book, does that close a chapter very important to you? 
I don't know if I told you before. If I had to do, I wouldn't do it again. I would have left it on the shelf, and I would have. It, I think the wound would have healed a lot easier because the, well, actually the final rewriting of the book I was with um, Tasha's mother at the time, and that brought a whole new perspective after you know because I I kind of shunned her out of my life and I brought her back into it and I began to understand things that I didn't really know and I got gained some knowledge that I didn't know and I could understand her suffering as a kindred soul and. Um, that helped a lot, but as far as publishing this book, putting it to rest, I don't, you know, I have to, if I ever see it on a shelf or if I, someone sits down on an airplane and i got to start talking about it again, it's something I just don't, uh, it doesn't bring a lot of joy to me. So where do you go from here? I'm going to wrap myself up in my family. I have, Tasha was my only biological child. I have uh, four others now from uh, my two marriages, and I'm going to, to uh I'm going to try to make uh, my life with uh, Sherry, uh, Tasha's wife, as good as I can. I'm going to try to help my children as best I can. I'm trying to live a Christian life, even though maybe I'm not one, and I'm going to uh, try to find some joy every day and uh, exude that to uh, my stepchildren and my friends. Well, Steve, we appreciate your honesty. We appreciate your sharing in such a direct way and of course uh, life is so fragile as you point out uh, it's a sacred thing and we all take it for granted don't we we do until something stirs it up and you know you just have to feel lucky if nothing ever stirs up your perfect life with your perfect family and all that stuff but that doesn't happen very often I don't think I agree I agree with that well, tell us, what's the best way to get your book, Black Witch? Well, the best way is to order it through either Author House or through Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble. You can get the e-version, or you can get uh, there's a hardcover and a softcover. That's the best way. I have a website, uh, but I'm not set up to sell the book on the website. It's more of a author's blog because I'm pursuing other um, books that I've written over the years. So that is the best way at this time. You know, um, I don't know if there's going to be any success with the book, but if there are any buddies out there that's interested, that would be my suggestion at the time. this time. We've been talking with Steve Scott, author of his book, Black Witch. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on Author Talk. Thank you, and I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> 